title of the Dharma talk this morning is questions and conversations. Is that what I said? So basically that just, when I was trying to think of what to talk about, I need to have some kind of a topic. So that one showed up a couple of times and then I thought, well, maybe I'll get some help from you guys. The basic understanding that I wanted to convey, it's very simple. I don't know if we can, um, we can have a whole talk about this. It's just something that needs to be looked at uh, closely and is often not. When we're having conversations with, uh, our, with, uh, with people, with, uh, with our family, our friends, uh, our, our sangha, or the, uh, the teacher, those are kind of have a kind of a formless um, structure that goes back and forth and is full of opinions, ideas, conjecture, guesswork, uh, and, and some kind of a grasping at some kind of entertainment. Uh, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. But sometimes I say, when uh, in this situation, what someone asks a question, Instead of asking a question, actually tries to engage in a conversation. It just doesn't work to do that. Uh, the conversational part tends to include in each person all of the things that you have not looked at, uh, all of the things you have not really inspected closely. So therefore, they they just get uh, drawn into the mix, and they end up being it could be entertaining, entertaining uh, may not be, but definitely fill up the space with ideas and concepts and structures and uh, basically ignorance. You've heard me say before, when I'm in this position, functioning as a teacher, uh, I don't have conversations. Just ask questions and I'll do my very best to respond. The more clear, concise, precise, all the other fancy words, question is, the more direct I can be, are you ready for that kind of directness? If you are, then make sure your questions are not conversational. Make sure that they're very direct. It's not that you can't have some kind of a preamble about saying, uh, so what I was thinking was this, and this seemed like this, and that seemed, but then when I thought this, this, not that you can't, you know, lay a little bit of a pathway leading up to what you're about to say. Excuse me which might end up in something like, what's real? <laughs> or what's unreal? Basic questions, uh, even though they we do this all the time, we do it in book study, we do it in Dharma talks, we do it in, uh, we do it in, our, in our individual reading, we run into situations where the Dharma, uh, the, uh, the teaching of the Buddha in trying to show us, lead us towards the ultimate nature of our life as human beings, as um, living in a certain uh, 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 intermediate state called the bardo of living or life. You're born and you live and then it ends. Happens to everybody. So it's not something that only certain people end up with. You might have questions about that. There are all kinds of people that want to convince you, argue with you, or have conversations about that. And those are, even though they may seem to be going somewhere, you know, uh, usually those that seem to be going somewhere that's somewhat enjoyable and and you're having uh, are somewhat entertaining or even might be uh, you know, clarifying something. Quite often they're they're just that conversational uh, 
questions that are about entertainment. Uh, you'll notice that goes really well when it's with your friends. So, especially if you have a party or something. <clears throat> so there's lots of different levels of communication that have to do with solving problems, with uh, coming right down to outright interrogation of someone because of their, you know, what they do in the court systems and so on. But in the Dharma situation, it's good to have very clear questions ab about the nature of something or about the nature of what you're experiencing uh, and to be as clear as possible about that so that the teaching person, whether it's me or some other teacher, can, can be uh, direct about that and can respond in such a way that there actually is an inquiry and there's a response that, that uh, hopefully will be supportive to you in your spiritual path. That's all you got. <laughs> Michael. What's the difference between the mundane path and the spiritual path? Thank you. So uh, there's a similarity, and the spiritual path starts out as a mundane path. I feel like crap. I don't know what to do. My life's crazy. Uh, all the all the things like do this, do that, play golf, uh, uh, join the rotary. No, nothing seems to. There's something about it that is doesn't work or is, uh, might even say unsatisfying or feels false, we might look and we might run into a spiritual path. It might be the spiritual path that is non-theistic, which, which would be Buddhism, and there's several other ones that are also non-theistic, Advaita uh, the, is non-theistic, and then there are other ones that are more theistic, uh, which doesn't make them uh, wrong, we're not talking about right and wrong, just a different way of working with the the deep uh, nature of consciousness, not just the consciousness that that sees this and smells flowers or um, fixes food or lives in a mundane or worldly way, but uh, the, the mind that, that somehow there's some kind of a deeper aspect or dimension there. Uh, so the spiritual path would be about finding some way to work with, uh, uh, and it might be, you might do it totally on your own. I think it's rare to do that. I'm not saying it can't be done. Sometimes uh, with someone who's trying to live a very ordinary materialistic life, just trying to keep their job and feed their rather than cover it up and just try to be very mechanical and just, uh, uh, you know, and not have any speculation about uh, quite often the people that are in this particular dynamic will say, well, I just think when you're dead, you're dead. That's, I had a stepfather who would say that. So that was all it was. If you ask him anything about anything, he would just, when you're dead, you're dead. So he, what he's basically saying is, I'm not going to look there. I'm not going to help you look there. So, uh, not wrong. It's not incorrect. It's just the causes and conditions that arise is that person's personality or style or the way he's working with his life or anybody's working with their life. Somebody are not. Some people are not ready to do this. This is not something that should be. People should be pushed into. Now there are other uh, uh, spiritual paths that, that emphasize uh, the beyond or, or the creator or all of those other uh, believed in ideas and so on that, that draw us to draw people to uh, prioritize their life about that, about worshiping or praying to a creator and so on. So that could be said to be spiritual path theistic. Yes? Are there any other activities besides shikantaza um, that can help us see the way we shut down? Well, there, there are uh, probably as many ways as there are Dharma teachers because a any person who realizes what's, what this is about and, and puts themselves in the position that this person is in as proposing to even 
help anybody at all, uh, is going to come out of their own uh, experience. Some people are able to come out of their own experience somewhat, but then it's backed up by uh, the teachings, and sometimes people, uh, it's, uh, um, uh, they, are, they, they become teachers out, out of the information around that spiritual path, like the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, and all of that. And then they slowly, uh, through teaching that, slowly start to have a deeper realization that transcends the concepts that they are using and putting forth that uh, show up as teaching. So, um, you know, there are, when I meet someone and talk to them about their, their practice, as you've probably seen, I, I meet, try to meet people where they're at and try to... Um, the, only word that comes up is kind of a funny word, but it's a kind of customize it to that person. See how, rather than say, you you should just continue to do shikantaza, or you should continue, no, you should do white taro practice, or you should do a creation completion practice, or you should do a mantra, or you should make up your own mantra, or you should do a traditional mantra. That I'm doing, I'm doing all kinds of things like that with people individually. So this is just a general teaching, and then I'm asking you to come and talk to me about it. Um, not not because I give you some kind of special thing to do. I might not give you anything to do. I might just go, say, sit some more. So the mundane path is about, it has a more, a more uh, reasonable, logical, uh, materialistic uh, cause and effect uh, basis on if I do this and this and this, I'll get that. Just like Chazan uh, uh, studying to be a karate instructor, no. yoga instructor. So that that's a, has a, it's a mundane path with a spiritual dimension to it. Especially if you read the, uh, the what, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, it's a very spiritual orientation. But the Hatha Yoga is just positions, uh, basically. I'm not saying taking anything away from it. Also, you're studying uh, what is it? The flute, and not the flute. Uh, bagpipes. <laughs> yeah, bagpipes. So mundane, but can then again music. Has a kind of has a spiritual dimension to it, so um, you could say probably everything has can have some kind of spiritual dimension to it. Chop wood, carry water. I mean, actually, if if you're if you're on a spiritual path, then eventually, uh, over time through your practice, eventually everything becomes uh, part of the spiritual path, part of your understanding. Sato. What is it that diverts us away from the direct question and into the conversation? Yeah, that's a good question. Thank you. It could be a couple of things. It could be fear of the answer. Uh, it could also be feeling that our answer isn't, that our question isn't really clear enough to, to you know, to not. What you're basically doing when you're when you're saying that is is uh, you're not. You don't really trust the teacher, so you don't really. You, I'm not saying you distrust them, but I'm saying you're, you're feeling like what you're saying, you could say it the other way. You don't really trust your own uh, ability to characterize or phrase that. But I would, I would say to anyone, if you have a question, just ask and, and let, it, let it come out into space and we'll see what happens with it. You know, I'll, I'll respond and do the best that I can. But I think there's a little bit of a not wanting to lose control of the situation, not wanting to really turn it over to somebody else. So Because what if they say... Uh, you say, what should I do with my life? That's like when I met Rinpoche, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not asking this guy anything. Because he will tell me what to do. Said, you should move here and become my slave or something. I probably would have done it. 
I mean, the way I, the reason I talk that way is because I felt so indebted to him for the help that I got from him. I felt that I can't characterize it any other way because I was in a terrible tailspin. I mean, it was a really a bad one. When I say bad, I mean, it wasn't horrible like some people's lives, but I was getting ready to end my existence because I didn't think I should be here any longer. So when I met him, then my he helped me immediately. I started understanding more deeply what was going on. I saw, you know, the little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, kind of feeling like maybe I can, maybe I can see what this is about. Maybe I can, uh, what do you say, turn my life around or become uh, actually actually walk a spiritual path. Might be possible to do that. And I think this fellow is probably going to be able to help me. More about that, say to him. Okay, Shoka. What was that help? From him, his presence. That was it. It was uh, 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 it's very uh, rare to meet somebody who is fundamentally present. Of course, you you have to be ready to see that. I'm not saying this is going to show up for everybody. A lot of people didn't like him at all. Thought he was terrible. Thought he was an imposter. Thought he was screwing up the you know, Buddhist teachings. I even asked a, a, a Gelugpa monk in Kalamazoo back in the early '70s. I said, "So." I didn't tell him that he was my teacher. I said, uh, so you heard of this uh, guy, uh, Chogyam Trungpa? They said, yeah. And they were doing some kind of a class over there. It was a long time ago. I said, so what, what do you think? Uh, what, do you, what do you think of him? Is he authentic? Or, I can't remember. It was some kind of a thing where they didn't know what my situation, or how I, that I was already highly devoted to him. And they said, because well, he, was, he was drinking, He'd given up his robes, but he was drinking, he was carousing around, and who knows what he was doing. He was outlandish, is what I think, just a very unconventional. And he said, well, we don't really know what he's going to do. And I remember thinking, well, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what anybody's going to do. But I, I remember them thinking, being very cautious and very uh, kind of, you, you could say, they, were, they, they weren't not critical of him, but just, so well, we really don't know what he's going to do. So we're, they're not ready to put their rubber stamp on him, in other words, and approve. So, uh, so back to the, the difference uh, between the mundane and the spiritual. The mundane is more about getting results and, and everybody agreeing, yes, these are the results you need. And uh, it's like somebody uh, is born with a natural ability to, uh, to uh, play sports. And then they're probably going to go and go into that because they have an ability. Somebody else who doesn't have that ability is unlikely to go, to go in that direction. Somebody else who has a natural ability to draw or sing, then they're probably, they're born with some kind of, so it's, it's a mundane thing. There's something that shows up and they pursue that and they even get credit for doing it themselves. So this is, when people ignore dependent origination, they think some people are better than others. They're just different, not better. That's, that's a, that's a, powerful misunderstanding of the nature of uh, this world or relative truth to think that some are better or higher or more, more uh, able or more valuable. Junju. You said um, there was something about the mundane path that you were going along just having a normal job and there's a feeling of dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. It seems like that feeling arises in the spiritual path as well. So what's yes. the difference between the dissatisfaction? Uh, the dissatisfaction in the mundane path is something you feel like you can correct it. 
and you're encouraged by others. And, uh, and if you go to a doctor, go to a psychiatrist, go to, a, uh, go to anyone, and they'll try to fix you, help you. They'll try to change you around so that you fit into the, the thing we call uh, uh, the, this living dream. You can correct things in the dream, but this is unreal. It's, it's here. I'm not saying it's not here. We can see it. You guys see me? Yeah, I see you. So that's as far as the reality goes. So uh, the difference is, uh, my understanding, the way it looks over here, is that the, when you're, the mundane part is something that you keep having hope that you can fix it or, or fear that you can. So the hope and fear thing starts to control you. And passion, aggression, and ignorance are pushing, pulling, and shutting down are the three poisons. And then the imputation that the five skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, are a self and somebody who can advance or somebody who can be offended or pushed away or somebody who can fail. It's, it's unreal. And so uh, that same thing shows up in the spiritual path, but we begin to handle it in a different way. We begin through the teachings. Through the teachings, we begin to uh, meet it where it is at, rather than assume that we make some kind of assumption uh, that we can. We have to change that or make that go away. Just in the way that I teach, would be to say, whatever it is, don't do anything with it. Uh, don't blame anyone for. Even though it looks, even though someone did something, somebody came up and did something to you. Uh, still, it triggers. Uh, common metaphors that triggers an emotion they didn't give you the emotion or cause the emotion it was your emotions uh, but when someone does something uh, that triggers an emotion the mundane way is to blame them and say they shouldn't do that and uh, they're wrong and if it weren't for them I wouldn't be feeling this way whereas the spiritual path you don't ignore that part of it sure you see the relative part of it but also you see much more deeply that everything is dependently arisen and uh, the praise and blame uh, that uh, the cause and effect situation is much more vast and profound, that no one is fund fundamentally to blame for anything. That as long as there's an attachment to a me, you're going to have a, you or anybody's going to have a lot of difficulty seeing uh, the what's called a Mahavipassana, a great panoramic awareness that d does not see an individual anywhere. It sees uh, individuation, but not actual solid individuals. So you would, you would slowly change your allegiance over from the grasping, rejecting, and shutting down of the, the mundane path or the success and failure, the hope and fear path. And you would slowly change that allegiance in the way we do it here. Sit down and find out who you are. Sit down, look at the wall, spend a lot of time looking and empowering or prioritizing the awareness of the space in which things occur so that you can see that if you're like anything at all, you're more like space, a lot less like this or that or the other thing. But we want things to be different than they are. We have nerve endings, and the conditioning that came out of beginningless time up to present us with this particular incarnation, it's just a labyrinth of causes causes, and conditions, a condition of weather, and then something that comes up and causes this and causes that, or pushes on this and pushes on that, runs away from this, runs toward that, those things. And, there, and all of our nerve endings are very, very sensitive to everything. And it's happening in, a, in an apparent form. It's here. We have a body that we can relate to, so we tie it to this body-mind, but um, it's temporary. The dissatisfaction that arises in both paths is... Could it be the same kind of root that is causing that to arise? I think it is.
is I think it's the same same disturbance. Uh, there's still there's still a belief in a self on the spiritual path, but it's starting to it's starting to break apart. Uh, on the mundane path, you'll have people that will try to cover that up with drugs or with activity in a different way. Um, I haven't gotten rid of any anxiety. Am I going to try to teach you to do that? I don't. I haven't gotten rid of fear. Why would I teach you to do that? Don't do it. Don't accept, don't reject, don't look away. If you do that, then there isn't anything that isn't you, including the fear, including the including the hope, including everything, include, include, include. You've heard of the three, three cludes? Mm-hmm. Include, conclude, and preclude? You've heard of those. Those are the three clues. I'm not sure what school that is. Anything you're, you're bringing things in. You're, you're helping, uh, even though you might have some motives that are self-centered still, including Michelle. What might be going on when it seems that no questions arise? Simple, just no questions arise. So don't do anything with that because then then you actually cover up that area. Just let that just be open. I know who's asking questions and who's not, but but there's no. I'm not criticizing. I mean, if somebody's fully ordained as a monk, uh, then I'm going to put more pressure on them to help me teach. In other words, ask questions that you know people need to hear that response. I may not be responding in a certain way. The way I'm responding, you your practice. Uh, not that someone hasn't received any precepts uh, at all the month. Not that they would, might not be able to help also, but but someone who's ordained, their, their life is about this. So therefore, I feel like I can say, ask questions. So that, not questions, just, you can say, well, I already know that. I'm talking about helping people. Ask questions that will bring this information out. Uh, mutual. Zato. <laughs> um, if... A question's coming up, but it's kind of formless. Are there ways that we can approach it to clarify it? Yeah, it's very literally, if, it, if something's coming up, uh, I mean, if it comes up before you get here, then write it down. Write something down. And, uh, but if it's happening here, then uh, you could still try to ask it. I was, I mean, Sheldon doesn't come much anymore, but I always notice with Sheldon, he He'd raise his hand, I would call on him, and then he'd come up with a question. <laughs> Remember that? He'd sit there and he, I mean, not that he didn't have an idea about it, but he kind of had that. Once he knew that he was going to have to ask it, then it's like the question that it would have to kind of surface. And then he would ask me. He's probably not listening. He's probably playing shuffleboard or something. Yes? Is there a different dynamic in, in Dokusan than the talks as far as questions? Yeah, it's a, it could take any form. Dokusan meaning an interview between a student and a teacher. So it could take just about any form, and it and does, all kinds of different forms, depending on um, what the, that student presents. Then, not, just, not speaking for just this teacher, but probably anybody who's teaching something in this same, with the same kind of uh, area. Uh, really have to, because it is a spiritual path and not just a, a right and wrong situation, might have to meet people where they're at. So it could show up lots of ways. It might even be, be quite conversational. 
then it would then it might need to do that for a while. But when it's just a one-on-one, as, as they say, uh, you know, then, then there's more of a uh, then there's more room for that chemistry to happen. Maybe uh, I've had people sit in front of me. Uh, I might not do it here, or I might. I probably done it here. Someone sits down in front of me and uh, asks me a question about something, and they say. Uh, what are your favorite numbers? And I would say, one, two, three. And they'd say, right, right, right. I'd say, don't say right. I, is there anyone here that I've told not to say right? Yeah. Don't say that. What is, this is what right, right. So, right. It's a, it's a, it's a, a block to actually being present with not knowing what to do. So, uh, but another, one more. Another person might say that, and because, not because I'm so damned insightful, it's just that I'm in the room. It's simple. I spent a lot of a lot of years just being in a room, being in a room, not fighting with anxiety. Whatever emotion comes up, that's that's what it is. Not something you should get rid of. Stop, stop uh, throwing out your children. No, that's not mine. That can't be. That emotion is too difficult. Don't do it. Be genuine. Live your life. Have the courage to live the way you're... you're you have these ears. You have this uh, face, this tongue, this body, this mind. This is who you are. This is what you were, what, given by karma. Be this. What was the question? <laughs> In your Dharma talks, sometimes over the years I've heard the same question come up number of times and different answers always come up and I'm wondering if there's something between the exchange of teacher and student that is not just about conveying information that has nothing to do with information as I said a little while ago what what was it that made me connect with uh, uh, his present his presence not not what he had to say all he said was keep going keep practicing keep sitting and when I got freaked out, you can do it. Very simple. You can do it. So, uh, not sure what he meant by that. Go ahead. What is being exchanged in the questions and answers that's not just information? That's what it is. There is no exchange. You aren't separate. I'm not somebody else, but that was clear. <laughs> yes? Uh, when somebody's asking you a question or a teacher a question, is there a difference between a mundane question and a spiritual question? Well, yeah, there could be, but it would it depend on, it's dependently, uh, it depends on the person. It depends on how long I've known them, what's happening with them. Uh, what I may be able to see with them that they're not, they haven't seen yet. So just like some people can say right, right, right uh, for a long time before I'm going to say anything because they, they're not ready for that kind of feedback. And uh, it can be seen. You can see that they actually need that kind of a situation. They need to be able to say that. And then others uh, need to have that pointed out. And, and, and it's not some kind of a analysis of it. It's just, just obvious. If you're if you're not thinking about anything else, then everything is obvious. And what is that, how does it show up? Not separate. 
like looking at your elbow, your elbow. Yes. You know? Yes. Uh, question for Bosker in Houston. Uh, Bosker. It's two parts. On the mundane path, we can recognize progress or lack of it. How do we do that on the spiritual path? Is progress on the spiritual path just a decreasing desire to seek pro progress? That's, but even that is, uh, uh, if you're looking for that, if you're looking, I have less desire. That's a trap. Because then you'll, you'll invent it. Because we, well, ego wants so much to be included. And ego is an illusion. Ego is not real. And because it's not real, it, do, it can't go away. It's not real. So it, depending on, my, my ego hasn't certainly hasn't gone away. It's just much more vivid than it ever was. It is unreal. The emotions and feelings that arise in this, uh, in this space are, it's, if I were to say anything, uh, which I don't, I would just say, go ahead. Go ahead. Come and go. Come and go. So to go a little further with Bosker's question, <clears throat> I would say that when it's like it's like when you don't really care what, what happens, you're not concerned with something else. Uh, then that may show up. It may show up as less uh, what's commonly called in the tradition dispassion. It doesn't mean you don't have any more passion. You may have much more passion. You may have inc incredible passion about the arts or about uh, how much you love one person or hundreds of people. You may have a tremendous pa uh, passion with no passionator. No one doing that and no attachment and no, no gain and loss. Someone comes, you appreciate that, and they, they say, I don't like you anymore. Lots of ways of saying that. And they leave and you, you, you see that they leave because they, they need to leave. It's dependently arisen. It's both extremely personal and universal at the same time. It's called non-duality, advaita. So, Graham. When your body mind passes from this world, how will your presence change? So, I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. So, but I could speculate. <laughs> uh, it, even if it changes, it doesn't change. So I have to say it. Uh, I have to talk out of two sides of my mouth. Where's Nishikai? Not here. He's good at that. <laughs> <laughs> so I got that two arrows beat name. So you, you may, you know, it, it could show up anyway. So existence, non-existence. That's the big life and death. That's that's the big conundrum that we all face, and this is why people even go towards a spiritual path because they. See, this isn't going to last, and maybe their one of their children just died, or maybe their mother died, and they say, "It's astonishing that somebody was here one minute and now they're not here." It just uh, it shows us how much we're really, really attached to someone being here. It's you know, it's heartbreaking to to run into that surprise of people die, and you know, not to be too funny about it, but you're next. Like Trunk Burnham said, some people will dry, die soon, other people will die later. <laughs> uh, he had a good sense of humor. Joseph. Bernie Sanders' new campaign slogan is Not Me, Us. Not Me, Us. So, what is the relationship between the student teacher relationship and. 
narrow that down a little better, break it down in a couple parts. So what, what is it you really want me to respond to? I guess I'm looking at, he's, he's, put, he's, he's a figurehead, and yet he's saying that he's a community. So what is, what is going on in, the, in this form hmm. that's not what? just a community? In this form here? Uh, yeah, the, the, in that form, there's a grasping going on of right and wrong, correct and incorrect. And in this form, there's, there's, there, there could be grasping, there could be right and wrong, there could be any kind of form coming and going, but it is unreal. So it neither has a reality nor does it have an unreality. So we're not concerned with, uh, we're not concerned with proof. We're, we're, what are we concerned with? We're concerned with this. And what is this? There's no way you can know. So the, if you do become understand this, you become confident. Your confidence is uh, has no has no source. It's unconditional confidence because you're no longer at war with anything. You're no longer looking for a backup. You're no, uh, you're no longer. Uh, I, I don't think I ever was looking for students. But I don't I don't need students. You really don't need me. If you, if you realize this, you, that, that's when you'll see there's no separation between you and anyone else. Bodies are separated. Uh, who we are fundamentally is not separate. It has to be a realization. And, it's, uh, and it won't show up the way you think it might, like some feeling of being one. That's a misunderstanding. That's uh, Disneyland. That's not going to occur unless it does. More, Robert? I mean, uh, Joseph? Kozan uh, has a question from Traverse City. You said you haven't gotten rid of fear or anxiety. How can we function in a sane way when there is a strong feeling of fear or anxiety? No one having it. There's no one having it. So there's no identity. The fear is still there. It comes and goes. Not, not as strong as it was, say, 50 years ago. It still comes and goes. Comes, you know, all kinds of emotions come and go. But I could, if I, if I, if I was, uh, I, I couldn't teach in this way if I was trying to get better, and I would be te teaching you to get better. I don't even say accept yourself. So the way you do it is you look at it, you look at it, you sit down, and you just look at what arises, and you don't add anything to it, you don't take anything away from it, and you don't look away or distract yourself from it. <clears throat> and then this mandala that you're sitting in, this bodhi mandala, this mandala, this circle of awakening, uh, as it says in, the, uh, in praise of Dharmadhatu, Nagarjuna said it in the first century, you may wake up, you may not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, the reason I'm laughing is it's so, it seems so, uh, and did to me for so many years that you had to do something in order to awaken. You don't have to do anything. You're already awake. Stop covering it up. We cover it up because we're fearful. We cover it up because there's some little sneaky corner where there's somebody sitting back there that wants things a certain way. Second noble truth. So in that just wake up, you don't have to do anything, how does karma interfere with that? We believe it. 
we buy into it. All of the teachings, the structure of the teachings, like the way we keep studying all this material, it's not that um, it's not that you're going to study the material and that's somehow going to help you wake up. It just gives you something to do while you're <laughs> while you're waiting around. <laughs> not exactly. It's actually not that way at all. So how is that different from a, like the idea of destiny or pre? Um... Yeah, the same. So if there's nothing to do, then why do it? Why do anything? Well, I'd like to see you try that. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Not doing anything. <laughs> Very unlikely. I could. I know a few other people. Even even really lazy people can't do that. It's actually a project to lay around and do nothing. It's hard to not do something. But I get what you're what you're saying, and I would just say that it's it's because of the of the that is so obvious and it is so subtle. It can take a lifetime to understand what this is. So, all of you people who are in this room. Apparently, at least for the time that you're in this room, you're interested in what uh, this old man has to say. And I'm saying, excuse me, train your mind. Sit down, hold still, and watch what your mind does. You are not separate from the awakened one. You're not separate from anything. So we'll start with that guy, though. The awakened one. So, um, are growth and healing a delusion? Sure. It's not that this isn't happening literally with the body, but if you identify with the body, then yes, growth, healing, and all of that is going to be a, a relative thing that is very, very magnetizing. And it's not that you shouldn't do it. I don't just not eat because I'm I'm a spiritual being, so I don't need to eat anymore. Although there are some people that have practiced that way. Milarepa, you know, just ate, uh, what did he eat, eggplant? No. <laughs> he ate nettles. So many nettles that he turned green. So, but he was, you know, Milarepa kind of overdid everything. He stayed in retreat for a thousand years. And he, he murdered people, so that's a pretty extreme fellow. But this doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. This doesn't mean you shouldn't be a nurse. This doesn't mean you shouldn't, people are suffering and, and, their, and their nerve endings, whichever ones, are abraded by something and you have the skill, the knowledge to help them, of course, help them. But don't add on to that uh, about your identity of being this wonderful helping person. And don't add on to that uh, any kind of analysis about uh, other people should be doing this, or I can do it better than anybody else, or all the other. Those are just a couple. So just keep it very straight, simple. Chop wood, carry water. Just time to get the water, go get the water. Time to heal somebody. If you're really doing it and you're completely there and completely present, you, you, the, the person may give you all kinds of uh, appreciation or thanks and gratitude, and you'll understand what's happening with them. But there's no... that. That doesn't that doesn't find itself that puffs up or feels proud. Thank you so much. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our chair books. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes in the hallway. Also, you're able to donate online. We value these teachings and this. Here in Sangha.
also remind you about Sokazan's trip to New York this week. If you can be there, we would love to meet you. May the miracles penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. 